Good morning. It is such a privilege to be able to have a morning to share for all of us staff pastors that share once or twice a year and the things that God is doing in us in our journey and in our process throughout those six months or a year to share in one Sunday morning is just how do you, how do you articulate it into one message? And so I feel like uh, this is the condensed down version of this past year. At different times I've shared parts of the journey of this last year and the reconstruction and pressure and confusion in some of the things that God was doing and saying. And so for those of you that know me, I can be very intense. So I just warn you ahead of time. Uh, uh, I hope my intensity is the Holy Spirit piercing, encouraging, touching our hearts and not not my own excitement and energy, but uh, with that, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you in a deeper way into our hearts and lives and into this moment. We know your presence has been and is already here, and we ask that you would just open our hearts and our eyes and our ears to more clearly see you, more clearly hear you, and more clearly feel you moving and speaking and doing the things that you do in our lives and in our hearts in a moment, day by day. Jesus, would your words speak through me today? As we, as we pray, would you hide, hide me behind your cross, Jesus? Would it not be about my words or any clever thing of putting together a message, but would you come and speak your heart to each of us this morning where we're at, that you would revive us, that the passion and love in our heart would burst for you and you alone. So come and speak this morning, Lord. Amen. So uh, this message is called Living Temples. And uh, so let's just, let's just jump right into the passage for this morning, First Peter 2, 4 through 7, 8. As you come to him, speaking of Jesus, the living stone... Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe... This stone is precious. So this passage speaks of Jesus being the cornerstone and the living stone that as believers, the rest of our lives are built upon. We build upon this cornerstone. And that like Jesus, we're these living stones and being built into a spiritual home, a spiritual uh, temple. And for those of us that love God, it's so beautiful. The passage continues on to talk about Jesus as a stumbling block and can be offensive to those that don't believe and don't acknowledge and see him as our savior. But I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on us, those who love God and are his living temples and this sanctifying process, this process of him building us and shaping us and changing us. And we know so much can happen in a moment, yet it takes our whole lives until we see him face to face until we're perfected. 
So being his living stone, being a dwelling place for him, being a living temple, doesn't mean we're perfect. We're actually like tents. But he loves these tents. He loves these temples. And he, I don't want to get ahead of myself. So Jesus is the living stone and the trusted cornerstone. He's precious, chosen, and trusted. And so the little I know about building, the little I know about a cornerstone is this is the main piece, right? It's laid and every other stone, every other block, every other, everything else built upon that is, is flush, is level, is plumb, is lined up with this cornerstone because it is perfect. It's positioned perfect. There's no flaws in it. All the angles, everything is exact and precise. And so that living stone being Jesus and his ways are how we build our life and how we align ourselves. And because we aren't Jesus, but we are just becoming more and more like Jesus, we get off. And when he comes to inspect before building the next level or adding the next piece, he looks and it's like, oh, buddy, just, just a, little, a little degree off here. Let's just, let's just get back to plumb. Let's get back flush with me. Sometimes we don't like that, though. I know I don't like that. Like, no, this is, how, this is where this should go. This is how I should think about this. This is how I should respond. Or it's like, no, buddy, no. Let's just get you realigned a little bit. The whole purpose of the temple and the tabernacle was to house the presence of God, right? The, the Ark of the Covenant was built to actually hold the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. And so then when the temple is built and the Ark of the Covenant is put in the inner courts and in the Holy of Holies, that is where the presence of God dwelt. And we know as they traveled, the Israelites traveled through the desert and the wilderness and wandered and they tabernacled, they met with God and the presence would fill the tent and there would be smoke and his glory could be seen. So the whole purpose of a temple, the whole purpose of the tabernacle, the whole purpose was to be filled. And that hasn't changed today. Our whole purpose of this tent is that he would come and fill us and dwell in us. But as you heard Pastor Andrew share and I share at different times, this encounter, this, this filling, if all it is is for this tangible experience, but we aren't being changed, that's a problem on our side. And if we are encountering him and he's changing us and we're, we're allowing him to move in our life in that way and submitting to him in that way, but we're not moving out into purpose, that's also a problem. We, we're just a nice decoration on the shelf. And so I want us to, to, to take this idea of living temples and us being this dwelling place and place that he wants to fill and look at it through two, through two different lenses. The first lens is Matthew 21, 12 to 13. And we heard this verse, or the, part of this passage uh, on Palm Sunday. Pastor Greg talked about it. So I was, Joe, why are you talking about this again? And what does this have to do with being living temples? Well, let's, let's take a look. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. 
He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. He said to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. Just as Jesus on Palm Sunday walked into the temple and saw things there that were hindering people from entering in to his presence, and there were things there stealing and robbing from the people of God, he comes into our temple. He encounters us, and he sees tables, and he sees thieves robbing, and he wants to overturn them and chase them out of our lives because they're in the way. They're inhibiting, they're preventing us from intimacy. Jesus enters our hearts, his living temples, and overthrows and gets rid of everything wrong that we are believing and saying and doing and sets everything in order for his purposes. This idea when we read in Matthew about Jesus coming into the temple and making a whip and overthrowing and it's kind of like, yeah, go Jesus. But sometimes, at least for myself, there's a little disconnect to sometimes how we think of, oh, Jesus is so kind and nice. And, and then we look at it through an Old Testament lens of, oh man, that's the, Jesus has got the wrath of God. He's coming in and he's doing business. Okay. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about all that. The second lens I want us to, to look through at being a living temple is 2 Corinthians 3, 4, and 5. In chapter 3, verse 18, this is, this is the unveiled face, or the, this is the place where with unveiled faces we behold the glory of God. We just get to gaze at him and see his beauty and his perfection and majesty and, he, and it's from that place that he changes us and transforms us over and over. Every time we encounter him, if we're coming to him open and vulnerable and transparent, he will change us. He will overturn those things and chase out those things that are stealing and robbing from us. But it can be a little intense. It can be a little scary because there is fire in his eyes. He is so kind and he is so gentle with our hearts. But he's also ferocious and jealous for us. Chapter 4 talks about these clay jars that were just merely clay jars. These vessels that he's filling and shaping to be used for his purpose. And we'll hold off on the, on the whole purpose for just a little bit. But let's look at the encounter. Let's look at the encounter of Jesus coming into the temple, coming into our temples, coming into our, this place, our souls, encountering us. Where the Spirit is, there's freedom, right? So the Spirit brings freedom and gives us freedom to see Jesus. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't see Jesus. That's how Peter knew he was the Christ. God revealed to him and opened his eyes that Jesus was the Christ. It's the same for all of us. Knowledge does not open our hearts to him and revive us and regenerate us and make us new. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that opens our hearts and draws us to him and opens our eyes to see and know and believe that he's God and Savior. 
So he dwells in us by his spirit. And there's no longer any obstruction. There's no more separation. The veil has been torn. When Jesus died on the cross, he made a way for each of us to encounter God. No longer through the priest. And not only, he's not coming with this mission to make, us, make everything right because he's upset and irritated. He's coming because he longs, longs, longs to be with us. This is truly a relationship. It's truly a relationship with the living God. He longs to be with us. And the whole idea, the whole thing in Song of Songs, in two where it says, my dove in the cleft of the rocks, in the mountainside, I just, I want to hide you. I want to I be there with you. Just me and you. And I want to see your face because it's so lovely. I want to hear your voice because it's so sweet. This is what he's longing for. Unobstructed, unhindered relationship. He's not encountering us so we'll shake and fall down. There's nothing wrong with that. It's actually, it's like, okay, that's this, your body's reacting to the pure presence of God filling you. But it's not about the falling down. We know that. It's not about the shaking. It's not about the laughing or the crying. It's just, there's just a reaction. It's all about the encounter. It's all about, I just want to be with you, son. I just want to be with you, sweetheart. I want you because I want you, because I love you. That's why I created you. And we know this up here. Like, we are taught this all the time, and we, we try to believe it most of the time. But this lifelong journey of the 18 inches, it's like to know that we know that we know he longs to be with us. And that's what it's all about, is his longing. He longs to be with us way more than we long and desire to be with him. So this encounter that leads to transformation. Why should we be transformed to look like God? Because we know, if, we've, if we have know, if we've tasted and seen that he is good, and we believe that his word is true and perfect, we see that he is God, and there's no flaw in him. So who else should we want to be like? We've tried every other thing before, before coming to Christ, before acknowledging his Lord and Savior. We know nothing else fills the hole. Nothing else satisfies. But again, it's not just about the hole being filled. It's about life eternal starting now with him. He has purposes for us to do with him. So this encounter that transforms us one aspect of the encounter is his, that he's a holy God. He's so holy. There's no darkness. There's no evil in him. And praise God, thank God that we are in new covenant. That we each get to approach him. He's so holy. Old covenant was all about sacrifices. If you follow, if you follow the law, you're blessed. If you obey me, you're blessed. If you don't, you're cursed. And there was no real atonement. Those, all those sacrifices didn't do it. We know that. In the old covenant, in the old relationship, the old way, sin had to leave the camp. Moses going up the mountain, it was a mountain of fear and trembling, so much that the rest of the Israelites were like, nope, not going up. It was a holy, fearful, terrifying encounter. 
And when there was sin, there was no atonement. There was no, no forgiveness yet. And his wrath would erupt and fire would break out. When there was rebellion, the earth opened up and swallowed people. But now, thank God for Jesus, we have a different covenant that we can approach him as children. And it's the city of God. We can approach his throne. And there's myriads of angels singing and celebrating. And there's elders and saints. And it's, it's amazing. There's no more separation. For real. For real. There's no more separation. The other aspect of what motivates him in this transformation and this encounter is that he is a jealous Jealous lover. In the Old Covenant, it says in Deuteronomy 4.24 that the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. We see he's, everything that motivated him in the Old Covenant was jealous love. There just was no atonement. So his love and his jealousy for the things getting away, getting in the way between him and his people looked like fire breaking out. Looked like the earth opening up and swallowing people. That's terrifying. Again, thank God that that covenant is over. The new covenant, he's still a jealous God. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But today, it's 2 Corinthians 11:2. 2. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. The whole purpose of the encounter, the whole purpose of transformation is so that he can give a pure and spotless bride to his son, to the bridegroom. His jealousy looks much different now because his wrath has been appeased by the blood of Jesus. He comes in and he overturns the tables the things getting in the way of intimacy. He chases out the thieves, the things stealing from intimacy. He sanctifies and transforms us. He makes us look like him. We all know the tables in our life. And we all know the things that are robbing and stealing. And he comes in with a ferocious, jealous love, not to bring judgment and shame or condemnation, but to, to break in and, son, what is, what is, what is this in the way? I, I, where can I sit? I can't, I want to be with you. What is, this is in the way. And this thing here is stealing from us. It's robbing from us. It's taking away all the fruit, all the beautiful times, all the sweet places I want to be with you. It's taking it away. And it's taking you away from me. This idea of jealous, jealous, jealous lover sometimes escapes us because our jealousy is twisted and self-centered and insecure. There's nothing selfish or insecure in Jesus and his love for us. His jealousy is for our good. But because of our brokenness, because of our bad experiences, we think any sort of correction, any sort of jealousy is against us. 
and blame and accusation because we all have those lies. So in our journey as he's sanctifying us and transforming us, how boring is life if you don't do anything with that? Well, I'll come to church. Maybe I'll get prayed for and fall down and that'll be fun. Again, I'm not. It sounds like I'm, I love being touched by God. But if that's my, my ritual and I'm not changing, what, what's going on? Oh, this is the time I fall down. Okay. That's our liturgy. Or if that's my liturgy and nothing's changing, nothing's happening. If that's my box that this is how, this is how I do church, that's, that's called religion. Just because we're in a charismatic stream does not mean we cannot stumble into religion. Well, we're, we're spirit-filled. So are people that are not in charismatic streams, right? If we love Jesus, we all have the indwelling. So this, transform, this encounter for transformation for purpose of him coming and filling the temple, coming and overturning our tables, is because he wants to go on an adventure with each of us. And sometimes, for each of us, that adventure looks very different. But all of us have specific purpose, specific use. The purpose of filling the temple is he wants to pour out a spirit and that to overflowing. This idea in John 7.37 is that we drink of his spirit so that rivers of living water will flow from our innermost being. Could his purpose be revival? Yes. Is that a good purpose? Yes. Is that the main purpose? No. The main purpose of encounter. The main purpose of transformation is intimacy. He comes in, he overthrows our tables, and he chases out the things stealing, and he says, okay, hey, buddy, let's put a, love, let's put a, let's put a sofa chair here for you and here for me, and I like fire. Do you like a fire? Yeah, I like a fire. Let's build a fireplace right here. And uh, you like coffee? Yeah, me too. Okay. You like beer sometimes? Yeah, me too. Let's sit together. Maybe we should use wine. That's maybe more appropriate. Let's sit together and have a glass of wine. Let's sit together and have a hot chocolate. I just want to be with you. I want to hear about your day. I want to hear how difficult it was. I want to hear how great it was. I want to hear everything in your heart. I already know it's all there, but I want to hear it. You know, it's this picture, this idea. Those of you that know us, we just, we've had our fourth child. She's two months old or nine, ten weeks old. She's adorable, little Delta. And just in the past two weeks, she started smiling. Like all the time. And it's just like, oh my gosh, you're smiling. Hey. And the past week, she started cooing and making little noises at us. And it's like, I don't even know what you're saying, but it's amazing. And this is so, you're so, oh my gosh. Is it not the same with us in the Lord? Is it not the same? Oh my gosh, you're so adorable. Come here. We don't even know what we're saying and doing. It, we're, just, we're just little kids. And he's like, oh, you're so sweet. So this, this transformation, the purpose is, just to be with him. But you know, when you're with somebody, 
You don't always just want to sit around together. I mean, my wife and I, we do a lot of sitting around together. And we'll watch different TV. We'll talk about this. We'll talk about that. But sometimes we want to go out to eat. Sometimes we want to go on a vacation. Sometimes we want to go do something. It's the same way with God. Oh, buddy, I, I, I want to sit here with you all day long. As long as it takes for you and I to connect. But there's something in my heart I want to give you. And I want to share with you. And I want to know, do you want to go do this with me? It's the same thing with our friends. Like Pastor Jason, Pastor Nathan, and I, two years ago, we rode from Madison to Door County on our bikes. And we're, we're friends. We're like, hang out. We work together. And we have lots of conversations. We sit around and talk about all the problems and how to fix them. But that gets, it's like, okay, let's go do something fun. And we're all gaining a little weight, so let's do something physical that we like to do together. <laughs> Why don't we ride to Door County again? So we're, we're, we're training. We're doing it again. And wouldn't you know it, on those rides, we're having, you know, 40, 50, 60-mile training rides. We're having three, four-hour conversations talking about what's going on in our life while we're, while we're going somewhere together. Is it not the same with God? Hey, buddy, we can sit here together as long as... As long as you want, as long as you need. If you're broken, if you're confused, if you're hurt. If you just need to rest. Because that's, that's my favorite thing to do with you, is just to be with you. That's, a, that's what matters, first and foremost. But I also have a mission. I also have a purpose. And will you, will you do that with me? Will you do that purpose? Isn't that deeper friendship? Isn't that deeper relationship? So in 2 Corinthians 5, the purpose is very clear. We're filled. These clay jars that we are, these tents, these living temples, are filled and transformed for the ministry of reconciliation. God's, God's mission is to reconcile everyone, the world, to himself. The role we play in the body, the role we play, and the part we play with God looks different for everyone. You know I love being sent to some jungle or some dark place and for two weeks and then I get to come back home. But I, you know I love being sent. That's not everybody. It's probably not most people. All of us are sent across the street to our neighbor. All of us are sent to our coworker across the aisle because God is jealous for them too. This is beautiful. This building's beautiful. And having our, our worship times and events here is beautiful. Don't forsake the gathering of the brethren, especially as you see the day drawing near. We need a place to gather. We need a place to be together. But this is, this is not it, right? This isn't the temple. We are the temple. Living, moving around, mobile temple. And if all we do is come to this building and encounter him in what we think is a dynamic and significant way, but are not beginning to look more and more like Jesus and not overflowing with that love to others, something's off, right? And I'm not saying that that is us. I'm just saying, I will share my journey this past year in a moment. 
But I'm, I'm not saying that's us, but I'm asking, is that us in some way? Is there something in our temple, in our hearts, that needs to be overturned, that's in the way of being filled, that needs to be removed so that we have space for God's heart to do the things, the simple things that can be very difficult, which is just to love people. Again, this is not an accusation. This is not that we've fallen short or are off in any way. I'm not saying that. But I am saying we should regularly ask ourselves that. God, as as you fill this temple, as you fill this heart, what's robbing? And Song of Songs, yeah, buddy, there's something. Let us catch those little foxes. Let's catch those things. So this weekend, uh, Pastor Tom was at the Focus Conference, which is uh, at Shane Holden's church in Alaska. And first, for you, you've probably you've heard Shane, or Pastor Tom talk about Shane's church up there. And uh, I went up last year for the, they had the Focus Conference. John Reiner messaged me, "Hey, you want to come up?" Yeah. Uh, a bunch of us went up from the young adults and we just got rocked. I got rocked. Pastor Nathan and I, the young adults and I drove up early Saturday morning for Saturday. Pastor Nathan and I drove up Friday night and then drove back late Friday night. Uh, And we both just got so pierced by the message Friday and Saturday, but Friday night because it was all about first love. And we were in Ephesians we were in Ephesians here at City Church, and now they're, talk, they're in Revelation and talking about the church of Ephesus and John's whole message of, do you love me or did you love me? You have this great resume of ministry, Ephesus, but do you still love me? And it's just like, oh my gosh, I, in the ten, eight, nine, ten years of ministry, I'm like, oh yeah, they've done so much with the Lord and seen God do so much. But my heart was, frankly, burnt on events. The events had become equal with my relationship with Jesus. The, the creating the event to encounter him became equal with Jesus. The mission of revival in my heart became equal with Jesus. Do we know what that word is that describes when something's equal or prioritized above Jesus? Idolatry. <laughs> To use an Old Testament word. I'm so pierced. And on this journey of God speaking to me this whole last year of first love. And we had intimacy with God and we're in Ezekiel. And I'm like, I haven't read Ezekiel in a long time. I should read Ezekiel. I started reading Ezekiel. By the time I get to chapter 12, uh, God's got my attention. And I'm continuing on into 16 where it talks about To the priest, do not prostitute yourself in the temple. And I am like, oh my goodness. What is a prostitute? Spiritually speaking, when someone's paid to just make someone else feel good, tickle their ears, say some nice Christian things. And I'm like, I just, I should be done with ministry. (laughs) I mean, I was, I was wrestling I don't love Jesus first and foremost like I used to. I would never say that out loud. I would never 
never ever admit that or see that except for he came into the temple and overthrew a table and I'm like hey what are you doing and and I had some I had lots of affirmation I had some people that I shared with like no that you need to settle down that's and I'm like okay I go to another conference I go to Jesus image the last day of the conference Jessica Culianos stands up all the, it's all the pastors, kind of, it's all pastors, ministry leaders. It's just like, I just, I'm so sorry. I just feel like I need to speak out of Ezekiel 16. And then begged, please, as ministers, can we not prostitute ourselves? I'm like, oh my gosh. And then John Hammer came and spoke here. And he was actually with the Kulianos like two weeks before he came and said very similar things. I'm like, okay, Lord, okay. And this wrestling and confusion of, is this the Lord? Is this just some, you know, accusation? Like, what is going on? It's like, no, I am jealous. Remember when you used to just weep in my presence for no reason? You just, the strum of the guitar, one, one note and you're just a mess because you love me so much? Do you remember those days? Yeah, I do. I miss those days. Yeah, me too, buddy. You know the promises I've put in your heart about how I want to use you? Yeah. Well, we can't do those together until this all gets straightened out. Oh, okay. Because I want to use you beyond what you can even think or imagine. I want to use you beyond your own abilities. You're a pretty gifted Kid, but I want to use you supernaturally. I don't, I don't want you just, I want to use you beyond you. Okay? And during sabbatical, let me tell you, it was not a fun sabbatical for me emotionally. I was struggling. And I can't, I can't pinpoint the exact moment, but there was a moment just a couple weeks ago where I knew that I knew the last year was right and that I heard the Lord right and that there had, been, there had been idolatry in my heart. There had been tables, our tables, our thieves. And I'm like, I'm done with those. Flip them over, Lord. Chase out the thieves. Because I just want to know you. I just want to love you. I don't want to love revival. I don't want to love uh, 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 worship times. I want to love you. And I'm going to worship you. I'm going to encounter you. And you're going to change me even more. And you're going to send me out even more to my neighbors and neighborhoods. I mean, I'm looking at Dave and saying, I'm like, they know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't have some dynamic ending, witty landing the plane. I just know that God wants to encounter us for the sake of encountering us. And he wants to fill us and change us and transform us. It's what his word says. It's true. And he wants to use us. There's no rally cry to rise up and yeah. God's not hypey. But he's serious. Committed committed to each of us so ferociously, jealously, 
And I just feel like he's, he's, he's asking us to embrace that. Embrace this idea. Is God moving in revival? Yeah, we see that happening. Is the river rising here? Yeah, we see an increase in his presence. We, we feel that together. But as Pastor Tom said that some time ago, that that's a carrot. If it's not Jesus first, it's not revival, it's Jesus. It's not my healing, it's Jesus. It's not my deliverance, it's Jesus. I'm not, we're not the only ones to ever struggle with this. This was the Israelites' whole issue. They wanted his hand all the time. And he is glad, glad to give us his hand of power. And it is mighty and magnificent and mind-blowing. But he wants us to look into his eyes, to seek his face. We're his bride. 